Sis here, and this is another episode of Buy Pumpkin. It is, I believe, episode 18. So, remember last week I was a little nervous that I wasn't going to be able to um, record on time because I was supposed to go to AWP, which is something. It's It's a writer's conference, and I'm not there right now. I was supposed to go, today's Thursday, I was supposed to leave early this morning. Um, I basically had to skip because um, the conference was in danger of being like canceled because the mayor declared San Antonio a state of emergency or some shit having to do with public health. And even though the conference goes on and like I technically, uh, I technically could go to the conference, um, I'm like... My immune system is compromised and gets sick very easily because it doesn't work the way it should. And if a city is has declared a state of emergency because of the coronavirus, I probably shouldn't drive there and then like mingle with tens of thousands of, of people from all over the world. I probably shouldn't do that. Um, I actually, because, you know, I'm an introvert. Um, Lots of people don't believe me, but uh, let's be clear that I am doing all this talking from the comfort of my own home. I didn't come over there and, and tell you this story. I am still over here. And so sometimes I don't want to go places, okay? A lot of times I don't want to go places, especially if there's going to be lots of people. I'm going to have to have social interactions. And sometimes I overthink it. And then it's, it's, just, it's just physically draining to me is it physically or emotionally it's draining it's draining guys and my husband's like a classic extrovert I mean he needs people around him I don't again I don't know how we got together I really don't fucking know but um I was like is this the introvert in me trying to get out of going to a conference where I'm gonna have to like talk to a lot of people and like and also you know a writer's conference is 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 a hard thing to go to because the thing about like writing like you can write for a living you can write for a living and make a lot of money you could write unless you're a famous writer it it sometimes is hard because you don't get the validation of like you're doing it correctly okay so like let's say you're a doctor okay How do you know you're a doctor? Because you went to school to be a doctor. You have a license to practice as a doctor. You work in a hospital where they give you, or you work someplace where they give you a name tag that calls you a doctor. And anytime someone's like, well, are you really a doctor? You can be like, you can check with the state of Texas because they gave me my license like that. But when you're a writer, one, people are constantly like asking you to prove it. Um, the first thing they say is like, what have you written that I know about? And like, if you're a writer like me who does ghostwriting and content marketing, that's how I make my money. Like I have work out there that's different, but how I pay bills is that like, that's not something people recognize. And so like, there's just constantly checking over and over again. Wait, am I a writer? Like, am I a writer? Like, unless you are, and also a writer is like a really broad term so when people hear you're a writer they want to know what book did you write what tv show did you write on what movie did you make things like that and I don't know it's there's a lot of like second guessing yourself especially when you live in a world where like 
if you get up and write today, then you're a writer is like half of the half of the world and the other half is like no bitch show us the check and so (laughs) and so like I don't know there's a lot of that going around I don't like want to deal with that and stuff so I like asked my husband about it because I thought maybe I was like being an introvert and he was like princess no you definitely can't fucking go even though like I've made all these arrangements and stuff he's like you can't go if like the mayor is scared (laughs) that you're gonna catch coronavirus the is it yeah, it's coronavirus, isn't it? <laughs> Am I saying this wrong? I've only been reading. No one's been speaking to me about this. Basically, my husband was like, if the mayor thinks you might catch it, the mayor basically sent you a little note going, hey, princess, don't come to San Antonio, girl. <laughs> There's a lot going on around here. So I didn't get to go to my conference. And I have like a lot of negative feelings about that and a lot of negative self-talk about what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And again, introvert and like a lot of times I feel like I should be doing more networking. I should be doing a lot more readings. Like it takes a lot to get me at a reading and they always go well every, every time before I leave the house, I'm like, I should not go to this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be in front on the stage. I do not want to be like reading in front of these people. And then it's always like a line of people who are like really well known and, you know, and, and I'm like one of the not so well known people and I always kill. It's always great. People always chase me around the venue afterwards and are like, this is, you're so great. What have you been doing? Blah, blah, blah. Your story, blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I have a, um, an essay called when Netflix finds out you're black. And I talk about how like one day Netflix figured out I was a black person and then basically, uh, redlined me <laughs> for, for like six months afterwards. And it does really well, but every time I'm like about to read it, I am just like so nervous. I have one that I, I've read only once, but it did really well. And it's called Pussy Power. And it's about how I got my first period visiting my father in prison and how this like very large uh, black lady who was a, 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 a prison guard like kind of ushered me in the womanhood and it was super surprising like I've told that story but I've never like written it down like that and it was super surprising that I actually got it done because I was just like I mean it was a day of the fucking reading and I was like I hadn't finished it I hadn't even started it <laughs> but it went really well like so stuff like that goes really well but it takes so much for me to get there because Again, all this negative self-talk about where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And like, you didn't get enough done today, even though I get more done before 8 a.m. than most who get done all fucking day. But I'm still like, well, you didn't get enough done. And did you record your podcast? And did you write in this? And did you study your French? And what? how are your children's mental health going? Because you haven't been checking on that in the last 10 minutes. Like, there's a lot of shit like that going on in my head. So I didn't feel so great this uh, week, especially knowing I wasn't gonna get to the uh, AWP. And like, there's tons of people I wanted to see there. And and I don't know. But since I'm not going, I got some vacation time, not working, my husband's off because he couldn't go to work if I wasn't gonna be here. So we've just been hanging out today. We went to Ikea, I got a new desk. It's It's beautiful, it's gorgeous. I put it together myself, I adore it. Cost an arm and a leg, but I love it. Um, 
and tomorrow I'm just gonna like do some shit around the house. I'm just hanging out. I'm I'm just like gonna take this time and what I'm gonna do is deliver my podcast on time. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm also gonna have a bonus episode that's gonna come out on Monday and it's the first episode of Kel on Earth and it's a sponsored bonus episode. So that's great. Someone else sponsored an episode. Um, it's really about the Real Housewives of Potomac and like going over the relationships. And I'm really excited to record that one. You'll get that one soon too. So yeah, I mean, even though I'm sitting over here calling myself worthless, um, I'm also like good things are happening too. Like don't listen to me. Don't fucking listen to me, guys. I, I can be a little crazy sometimes. In other good news, the Patreon is growing. Um, if you want to visit it, it's at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Um, I saw a lot of people joined when I did my, my personal diary episode. Um, and I just, it's, it's like growing every day and I'm just like super grateful. So if you're a member of Patreon, thank you so much. Um, if you're not, it's only a dollar a month. Think about it. You can really help me keep the lights on over here and if you can't be a member of Patreon, leave me a five-star review. Um, actually, you know something else? So I've been getting better about looking at my DMs. And I looked at my DMs and someone had asked me some advice about what to do. I'm not saying her name, mostly because I can't remember. And also it's a personal thing. But she'd asked me some advice about what to do because she had like a 10-year-old son. And um, he, he just had never been around his bio father because by a father like just a sperm donor and it's gone and um she married her husband when he was two so he kind of just assumed that was his dad I mean he calls him dad like he's the dad role and she she never told him that wasn't his biological father and he's 10 now and she's like had all this like you know um pressure on herself and like feeling terrible because he doesn't know that and she asked kind of like what advice I would give. And I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, like I am not qualified to answer this fucking question. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not qualified to answer any questions, but I'm not qualified to give directions. You know how often I get fucking lost? But um, I took a couple of days to think about it and I did answer her. And I just basically told her sooner rather than later, because the thing about, she described him as super sensitive too. Um, I've got one of those. And the thing about like a secret like that is it's a secret about you and it's eventually going to come out whether he overhears a conversation or a relative tells him or bio dad shows back up in his life. Like eventually it's going to come out. And if you tell him, you get to shape the story, you get to tell the story the way you want it to come out. And if someone else tells him or he finds out some other way, like after you die, cause you know, people are always writing into advice columns to find, to find out that, to talk about how they found out that their father isn't their real father and their mother's in the nursing home. They can't ask her about things like that. But if you, if you let it happen that way, well then someone else gets to tell the story. And like, do you really want someone else telling him his story? So I just like, Gave her some advice of like how to broach it and really how you talk to kids about how you frame it is how they receive it. And also to be open to answering lots of questions and not being upset that they're asking questions and just being like as honest as age appropriately possible. Because if you can give it to them like that and they can trust you to answer questions like that, they'll ask you questions like that. If you bullshit them, they'll get it from somewhere else. And 
So you have to be able to be a source of those things. You have to be able to be like, okay, let me tell you, oh, you're asking me why this? All right, let me, let me try to give you some answers about why that. And, and also say, I don't know when you don't know. Um, because if you do that, you foster this like relationship within this that says that like, it's not an uphill battle to talk to me or to ask me a hard question because even if it's hard, I'm gonna give it my best attention. I'm gonna give you the best answer I can possibly give you. And mostly I'm gonna tell you the truth. And so I gave her that advice and she told him and he's, she said he took it really well. You know, kids are super resilient guys. They're little resilient creatures. We think they're so delicate. We think they're like, I don't know, that, that we can crush them like just with any action. And the truth is that they bounce back a lot because you have to be, you're so little and you've got to like decades ahead of you. <laughs> you, you have to be resilient when you're a kid. Um, they can take a lot more. They understand a lot more than what we give them credit for. So I'm happy it went like it went well, but like also I was just like very shocked that anyone's asking for my advice. And also very shocked that after I thought about it, I was like, actually, I think I do know what you should do in this situation. I think I do know. So um, I don't know why I just told that story. I don't know. I really don't know. But uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the Patreon because the dollar a month helps. I feel like Sally Struthers every time I say that. Remember how Sally Struthers used to be on, on, the, on TV in the 90s and late 80s talking about like giving a quarter a day to help like Somalian orphans or whatever. Remember how people always be trying to get you to feed African or orphans um, on TV back then? I feel like I'm like, just a dollar a month helps buy pumpkin, keep the lights on. <laughs> but it's true. And so like, if you can, please subscribe. Um, you can also follow me at, at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. Um, that's the show. And I always tell you when there's a new show up or when there's a bonus episode up, um, I answer DMs. I'm getting better and better about it. I'm like, oh, let me check these DMs. <laughs> you can also follow me at okay, then Princess on Instagram and Twitter. Although I'm taking a small break from Twitter. Twitter is a little, I don't know. Twitter's always like, the world's on fire, but it's really on fire right now. And I, I'm going to be tweeting, but I'm like, while I'm on vacation, I'm like, Let's just, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's stay off the Bluebird app. It's, it's ghetto. <laughs> so we'll see. I, I honestly think I should take a social media break till after the election, but then how will I know who won the election? So <laughs> anyway, um, let's hop into this episode. Uh, so we're on. We're on Breaking Bonaduce season one, episode seven. It's called Tough Love. And remember last week, Danny checked into rehab. And so we open up this week. He's breathing with some blonde chick. I guess she's trying to show him how to meditate. It's not working. He's playing to the camera and giving her a girl, are you crazy look while her eyes are closed. And he's just like eyeballing her. You could tell he's just not into it. And I don't think, I bet... Well, we see later in the episode, Danny really prides himself on being like a working class dirtbag. <laughs> like that's like that's his brand. And like this new agey stuff is really hard for Danny. Um, I understand that. Like 
I feel the same way about like super religious stuff. I'm just like, I don't know, man. Are we eating the blood of Christ? (laughs) That's how I am. I just remember (laughs) my dad had his, um, his 50th birthday party at, um, his church and, and my youngest brother who's super religious was like, and it was after hours. Okay. It was like in the, in the hall of the church. And I was just like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I was the only, I was the only child scheduled to go. All the rest of the children lied and said they couldn't get there. Um, I don't know why we did it that way. I guess this is like, (laughs) my brothers don't listen to this, but the truth is like, I'm the favorite. (laughs) I just am. I'm the only girl and I'm the funniest and cutest. And so, (laughs) and like they, my parents really like me. I mean, they really like all of us, but they really, really like me. And I, I, my mom was like, we're going to tell him the boys can't come, but you just come. And I was like, okay. And she's like, cause I, I think if I tell him you're not going to come, he's going to say he doesn't want to have to party. But like, now that I think about it, maybe she's just blowing smoke up my ass because the surprise is supposed to be the best part. So maybe he really likes them the most. And she was like, well, you know, you just come on. You just come on. Everybody knows you don't have anything to do. Come on. So I like took the China bus down from New York to Virginia Beach. And my brother's like, one of them was in Germany. The other one lives in, was in Washington state. He's in Korea right now. And uh, the other one lives right outside of Boston. Um, But he's not a white man, so I'm not scared of him. And so... um, they all like showed up. They, they stayed at other people's houses and hid in town. And it was really great. My dad really loved it. And he gave like 18 speeches. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was a great little party. It really was. People really loved my dad. And so, um, this is my stepdad, by the way. I just talked about my dad being in prison. That's my other dad. <laughs> this dad never goes to prison. So, <laughs> so, um, I remember being there and we're sitting, me and my youngest brother are sitting like in the pews in a different room. And he's like, you feel comfortable here? Cause he's actually religious. Like he and his wife are always posting about, you know, how Jesus wants them to be married. I'm like, Jesus doesn't give a fuck about y'all, <laughs> but whatever. And he's like, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not going to burst in the fucking flames. But he was like, um, trying to orchestrate a drive-by baptism and he was going to get some holy water and, and a water gun and baptize me and I was going to fucking leave. <laughs> so, I don't know why I'm talking about this. I guess, yes, I do. Because Danny, um, Danny feels the same way about the new agey stuff that a lot of people, that I feel about religion and that like, all right, I can sit here quietly, but I don't know if I'm down with this. And so I wonder why they chose this rehab. Is it because it was free? Um, which will, which I don't think it was free because it's only reality TV show. Was it free for Danny because he's a radio host? I don't know because they did some, they, we get some writing on the screen that says the rehab let them film as long as they didn't show any other patients and they didn't name the rehab, which is like the exact opposite of what they do now. They give you a lot of establishing shots with like, picture of the sign and stuff and like get the name of the rehab in as much as possible because the rehab will be doing it for free this is kind of like what they do with teen mom when they when they go off to rehab and stuff like that um 
and not necessarily, and it doesn't have to be free. It could be deeply discounted, but that's, that's how it goes. Um, and this place didn't want that. So I don't know, maybe they didn't want to do that because they didn't know, they knew it was going to be successful. They're like, no, he's definitely, <laughs> we don't want our name associated with Danny Bonaducci. Um, and also if you really wanted to know where it was, you could just find out. I'm sure Danny talked about it on the radio because he's so forthcoming with everything else. I'm sure it's Googleable because, um, you're also seeing like, so you're not seeing other patients, but you're seeing staff. And I know doctors have like, they might not just work with one rehab or, or like they might work with this rehab and then work, have a private practice and they work with that organization. That's possible. But I just feel like it's possible to find, to fucking find out. And I don't know why Danny would have chosen this rehab if he hates that hippy dippy shit. Like under religious, uh, religious affiliation, I should write down Oprah super soul sessions. Cause that's exactly the, my type of religion, my type of, <laughs> my type of spirituality. But so I'd probably be happy meditating there and happy like with them healing my chakras. And if they gave me like a little mantra every day, um, I started writing a little, like a little note to myself on a, on a post-it and putting it on my mirror, like once a week to kind of like focus on those things this week. What I wrote on there is you are not responsible for everyone's happy endings, which is Obviously, I know that's true, but I have a hard time. I am a fixer. Like, to jump into people's situations and try to fix it right away. And, like, not everything needs to be fucking fixed. And people don't want to be fixed. And especially, like, without their permission. Like, it's just bullshit. And so I'm working on it. Like, I'm trying to be a better person. It's just fucking hard. Um, it's very aggressive to try to fix people who didn't ask to be fixed. Who don't even know they need to be fixed. And you're just like showing up and you're like, oh girl, this is all wrong. Let me fix you real quick. Some people enjoy that. Um, the people who enjoy that are not the type of people I need to be around. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that weird how that goes? So duh, 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 what's going on? Um, then we see Danny doing a lot of stuff. He's getting one-on-one lectures one-on-one yoga instruction, etc. It's, I think it's, I don't know if it's because they couldn't show the other patients or because he's Danny Bonaducci. Is he like famous enough that they're like, no, you need to do this alone. I don't know. Um, back at home, Dr. G is talking to Gretchen and she's saying that Danny is where he needs to be and Gretchen is happy because she got help. And you know that part on intervention where they say, where Jeff Vonder, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Try, he's like, you tried being the rehab. That's not working. Let's, you know, let's take him to a real re. He says something like that. And I feel like that's where Gretchen is, is that she realizes that she personally can't fix Danny. Like she can't be his rehab. He needs someone else. I think she's happy to have the weight off her shoulders. Danny calls Gretchen and complains about the ridiculous new age crap he has to go through. Mm -hmm. He says he wants to go home. Gretchen says, me too. But she says, it's like, me too. I want you home. Like, she's in a way that she definitely did not mean me too. And she says, I've been thinking about you all day. I've just been worried about you. And he's like, just today? That's the only time you've been thinking about me? Such a fucking baby. So then he tells her that he's going to get a day pass and come see her tomorrow. And I feel like she's been in there two days. He's been in there two days because she was like, 
talking about yesterday, like she dropped him off yesterday. So like, to me, the timeline is this call is happening the day after they, they, he got dropped off at rehab. And yo, man, um, why is he trying to get a day pass on day two? And so Gretchen is like, I don't think it's a good idea. And Danny is like, I need to see you. I'm going to, I've got to get, I need to see you. And again, he's making her his security blanket. And it's not as cute as he think it. he thinks it is. Because if she's all he needs, then why isn't he better? And I know she talked about it last week. Gretchen has to be asking herself, what is it that I'm doing? Because he's saying it all, it's, I'm all he needs. But that's just what his mouth is saying. He just doesn't want to be in rehab, which is understandable. Nobody wants to fucking be in rehab, especially after you've like sobered up a bit. So there's this chick on the screen. I don't know who the fuck she is. I don't know if she's a director of the place. I don't know if she's a counselor. I don't know what she is, but she says that Danny's trying to fly his own plane. And you can tell that she says it a lot. Um, it's a good metaphor, by the way, but she's saying that like, when you're in rehab, sometimes you have to do what other people want you to do. It's part of like not being in control of everything. And like, I really wish that I had got my shit together and got Liz on this show because on this particular episode, because I'm sure she'd have like a ton of great shit to say about rehab and what, um, and like this process. But unfortunately, I didn't get my shit together. I still need to get Rachel on. She's going to talk. She's a therapist. She's going to talk to me. She's going to talk about therapy. I need Liz to get on. I need Kara on here. I need other people whose names I can't remember right now on here. Um, but I don't have my shit together, much like Danny. And I think it's everyone else's fault, too, just like Danny. So um, so this chick, who I'm going to call the agency, the director of the rehab, I, I guess. I don't know. Um... She says that she doesn't want to give him a pass because she'd rather have some family sessions first that help with some of the dynamics of the things that are going wrong in his family. She says he's not, he's not stable and she doesn't want to send him out when he's not stable. This is all very reasonable, but he doesn't agree. Actually, he does agree. He says, yeah, I know I'm not stable, but I'm, I know I'm not ready or stable, but... The problem is I've already made arrangements and my kids are counting on it, which is like, dude, that's a you problem. I don't even know why you would tell your kids you you're coming to see them if you didn't have a fucking pass. And also, if you go see your kids next week, he's only doing 30 days, by the way. So mm, you can see your kids in a week. You really can. Don't act like your kids are so super important. You just can't be away from them because that's not true. If you are in Vegas doing coke off a, a stripper's tits, you could be away from them. Don't fuck, don't fucking play with me. All of a sudden, they're the most important thing in the world. All of a sudden, you must be near them at all fucking times. Get out of here with that shit. Um, and like, I guess this triggered me because this happens in my work life all the time where someone else promises a third party something that involves me. And now you want me to drop everything I'm doing and run and help you provide this thing. But why the fuck did you tell them they can have it? You are going to look so silly when you have to go back and tell them Princess isn't going to do this. You are going to look so fucking silly. And I'm just like annoyed with him 
for like trying to leverage that and be like, well, I already told the kids, you know, and they're waiting for me. You're not going to, you're not going to hurt my kids. No, you hurt your fucking kids, bruh. You hurt them. Um, so then he basically threatens her. He says that, cause she's like, if you know, if you go out and you like get into a fight with your wife, cause you're not working on those dynamics yet. You, I don't want you to be upset. I don't want, cause she's like thinking, as she says in like, in like kind of her one-on-one, she's like, you know, he wants to leave here and run into the arms of his wife. But like, what if it's not what he expects? What if she's not sexual? Like he wants her to be, what if um, any number of things could go wrong because they're still like having problems in their relationship. And then what happens now? Does he go with someone else? Does he go drinking? So like, this is all the reason she doesn't want to do it. And he's like, yeah, but you know, however upset you think I'm going to be, it's going to be 10 times more if I don't get to see my wife. I was like, okay, so what are you threatening? Throw a temper tantrum and let you go? Like, okay. I mean, I'm sure he's not the first person to throw a temper tantrum. I'm sure lots of people do that shit in rehab. I'm sure lots of people want to pass on the second day. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people do. Um, and so she's like, no. And she says that she told him the reason for it. There's a reason for it. I told you what it was. And he's like, oh, really? No. I don't care about the reason. Fuck you. That's my family. And I'm like, Danny. Danny talks about like he's the only person in the world who's ever had a family. He. <laughs> and the reason he talks like that. You know what? Danny can be a family annihilator. Do you guys know what that is? You guys know what that is. You've watched uh, Law and Order SVU. But it's like one of those, um, usually it's a guy, it's a man who is like super concerned about his family and like super controlling about everything. And like his family is the most important thing to him and like something triggers him and he ends up killing himself and it is, well, his family and then himself to like protect him from this outside source. It could be like, um, God, what the fuck? It could be like the wife trying to leave him. It could be CPS involvement. What is the name of that dude? You guys know who I'm talking about. Um, there was a podcast called Cold. And it was about, his name. His first name was Josh. I don't remember his last name. He was a fucking Mormon. Um, and although they have no proof, uh, they didn't kill, he didn't, he, they think he killed his wife, but he definitely, um, his kids had been taken away from him. For a number, there's a lot of weird shit going on with that family and him. And during a visit, he yanked the kids inside and the and the family observer observer was outside and he set the house on fire and killed himself and the children. Like, Danny seems like that type to me where because he's had he had such like a, a sad childhood and like she has raised his own he's put family on a pedestal and like he'll defend it at any cost. And so anytime something happens, his family is so important. I have to get home because of my family. I have to keep this job. I must go to these strip clubs, even though I'm a sex addict and I have to go in there because that's a part of my job and I have to take care of my family. Like he is, he seems like that type of person. By the way, I didn't like that podcast cold. Um, I liked it. Well, I saved a lot of episodes because I don't like watching shit where I have to actually wait. Um, and I, Powell, Josh Powell, Susan Powell, disappearance of Susan Powell. But um, 
I don't want to listen to something like that for fucking 10, 12 episodes only to find out nobody knows what fucking happened. I don't want, I want to know what fucking happened. And it like really didn't sit well with me at the end. Like all these, you know, true crime is huge in podcasts and everything, but like, I don't want the unsolved true crime shit. I want, I want to know what fucking happened. And I love a white collar crime. I love a white, I love a crime where the person just was doing it to get a boat. <laughs> That's it. They just want a boat and a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> and they're just, and they just, you know, they wrote a bad, they wrote a few bad checks. That's how you got to do it. <laughs> I'm off track again. Um, and like him talking to her like that, talking to the director or whoever or counselor or whatever like that, isn't really a big deal. It's probably like a minor thing that happens in rehab. She's probably dealt with that a million times. People not getting what they want. They cursing at her or being aggressive and like, um, that way but this is why I can't work at rehab this is why I can't work at rehab because you're not gonna fucking talk to me that way and I can totally see myself like you he's losing his shit and I'm like no you fucking orange nut bag no sometimes you have to tell you fucking no I don't give a fuck like I can see myself getting into it do you guys remember on um celebrity rehab it might have been celebrity sex rehab specifically but I don't know it was celebrity rehab and, and, uh, um, Carrie Ann Panesh, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but if you saw this, you know exactly who the fuck I'm talking about. Like spit on a nurse. And I could be making that up too. Maybe she didn't even spit on her, but she did something really disrespectful. And like spitting is the worst thing you could ever do to anybody in my book. So I feel like she spit on her and the nurse like ran down the hall and grabbed and pulled her hair and pushed her down or something like that. I remember watching that and being on the nurse's side. The nurse got fired because you can't act like that. And, but I was like, yeah, sometimes you got to get fired. Sometimes you got to push a face, push a patient down on the ground and pull her hair. Like, <laughs> this is why I don't work places like that. <laughs> I, I was like on the nurse's side. I was upset. She got fired. Dr. Drew was like, even Carrie Ann didn't want, want the nurse fired. She was like, no, it's fine. Um, I, we were gonna fight. It's a big. It's not a big deal, but um, yeah. Like I was just like, team nurse. <laughs> You're like disrespectful and ridiculous, and she's at her job. Now, you know that's probably the thing that's triggering me. These people are at their jobs, and I hate when people act wild with someone who's working, knowing they can't act wild with you, especially someone who doesn't make a whole lot of money, and like, like you want to talk reckless to me in the Taco Bell drive-through, knowing. That I'm not allowed to, to take off this fucking headset and come out there and whoop your ass. You you want to talk crazy to me because you think you can call up here to my manager and get me fired. So it's okay. I remember when I first started working at Hardee's. Um, <laughs> I made somebody's burger wrong. I was a really bad employee. I was, I was a kid. Uh, and they actually put me on the chicken station. I just used to stay in the chicken station like all day and night. And so <laughs> I made somebody's burger wrong. And... First of all, I shouldn't have been in the back of the house to begin with. When we went, unfortunately, I'm a fucking feminist. And so when they hired a bunch of people, um, they were like, so, you know, normally the girls work up front and we send the boys to the back. And is that okay with everyone? And I was like, I'll work in the back. Because I was like, feminism. And as soon as I did that, I was like, oh my God. 
this is the worst part. It's hot back here. You have to make shit. I need to be up front counting cups and making change. I, I, this is what I need to be doing. But I'm stuck in the back. So I made somebody's burger wrong. And then at that point, I was happy I worked in the back. Because the person was in the drive-thru. And they came around, came inside, and threw the burger at one of my coworkers. It was like, bitch, this ain't my <laughs> And I would have been fired immediately because I would have hopped over that fucking counter. There is no way that that video, that viral video, that guy's talking real fucking crazy to the McDonald's worker. It's a, it's a young black woman. And he, I don't know if he pushes her first or what. I think he like grabs her hand or grabs her shirt or something. I can't even remember. But all I remember is that he touched her and then she started like whooping his ass. She rat-a-tat-tat-tat-tat his ass and they had to pull him off of her and then her off of him and then the manager's like apologizing I really think he hit her he did something um that was incredibly disrespectful and the manager's like checking on the man I'm like listen this little bitty ass fucking girl is just doing her job and he's at McDonald's so he thinks he's king of the fucking world because he got a number two value meal and that he owns her now and he's talking to her crazy. I think it was about a straw or about some napkins. Some shit that you can get any time of the day and don't cost shit. And so, and he just like, he crossed the fucking line. And when she, like once you cross the line, once we're over the line, anything can happen here. This is why we stay on the other side of the fucking line. So that nobody has to hit you. If you don't want to, if you don't want to be involved in this ghetto ass drama, then you stay over on this side of the line. We don't go over there. And so he crossed the line. And once you cross the line, anything can happen, baby. Anything. All we got is space and opportunity. So I was like on that chick's side. I was on the nurse's side. And if this director wanted to rat-a-tat-tat Danny, <laughs> I'd be on her side too. I'd be like, well, you crossing the line there, bro. So I'm just happy that people like that work there. because, And I don't. Because, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be perfectly okay with this. So the rehab internist, I don't know what that is. It says internist. I, I don't know what that is. Um, she, he's, she says, no, it's he. He says that Danny is having good days and bad, which is normal, I think. I think it's normal to be like really into the process and then other days like just want to leave. Um, the wellness coach says that from the moment he got there, she knew that they had their hands full and they go hiking. And if I was in rehab, they make me go and they made me go hiking. I try to get a pass out of there too. I'm not an outside door girl. I don't want to do all that. I just take back everything I fucking said. He should leave. Don't make me go hiking. It looks hot out there. He's sweating. I don't want to sweat. We were just talking. We're building a deck out back um, of our house. And um, we're thinking about getting the structure that goes over the deck. Um, I think it's called a pergola. I don't know. I've only seen it written. Um, and no one's ever said the word to me, so I don't I actually don't know how to pronounce it. And this, ha I have a thing about that. Um, I've read, I read almost every three syllable word I know before I heard it. And cause I started reading young. And so like at some point, I believe that there were two words, anxious and anxious. And like, I want to say around my second grade, third grade year, I started believing there was a separate word called anxious, and it meant the same word as anxious. 
it meant the same thing as anxious. And so like I was almost out of high school when I guess I finally said it in front of someone who was willing to correct me and go, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I told them and I spelled it and they were like, yeah, anxious. I was like, no, that's anxious. Yeah, it's like anxious. And then I quickly, like immediately after words left my mouth, I was like, so dumbass, why have you never seen the word anxious written anywhere? So like, I get really nervous about, about like saying words I've only read, but pergola, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, it's a covering. So we were looking at them today and I was like, yeah, I think she had like four walls and a roof. And like, I just don't want like the sun to get through or like bugs or like any weather. And it turns out I was talking about an, a room because I don't want to fucking be outside. And so, so like if I were at, um, if I was at rehab and they were like, listen, you have got to hike to get to your healing. I'd be like, no bitch, I can't. <laughs> There's shit out there. It's hot. I want to go to Chipotle. I can't do it. I couldn't do it. But you know what? Danny probably loved it because he, you know, he wasn't working out. But you know, I can't believe they wouldn't have like a place to work out there. He probably, but I mean, he's not getting any steroids. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Gretchen's having a good time. Gretchen's having a good time. She's out with friends. She's eating good. She's happiest. She's happier than she's been in a long time. And the reason is, is because she doesn't have to worry about where Danny is. She's, someone else has Danny right now. She's just, so she doesn't have to be like, is he going to be upset? Is he looking for me? Is he on the radio describing what my vagina looks like to people? Like, he's. She doesn't have to worry about him. He's in a contained place. It's what some people I know who have like um, juvenile delinquents, children, and that's how they feel when their kids are in juvie. They're like, well, I don't have to drive around looking for him tonight. You know? I'm sure a lot of loved ones feel that way when they're in rehab. You know what? I should talk about when my mom went to rehab. Not here. <laughs> this is one of those things that I need to talk about behind a Patreon wall. I'm going to ask my mom first. She's going to say it's fine. She is. She's going to say it's fine for me to talk about my own experience. But I should talk to you about the time, what happened when my mom went to rehab. It was a hell of a day. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remind me to do that one day. To like tell, um, tell how my mom made it to rehab. Um, all right. So Danny's mom shows up and she is dressed like the queen of England. I don't know how else to describe her. She's got like a little fake flower on and a, and a pantsuit. That's like a golden girl's pantsuit. You know what I mean? Like something flowy, but, and it's one pattern. And all three pieces are one pattern. Like it's, it's a three piece. It's got like some flowy pants and a flowy shirt and like a flowy, like throw on her and it's all the same pattern and it's all very flowy and like you it's pajamas or, or it's, you can go to church in it you put a flower on it, you go to church take the flower off and put on your slippers you can go to bed in it and i mean it's it, you can do anything and if only she had a hat she would look just like the queen of england to me um and she seems very removed from danny 
Like, he's given her a lot of trouble throughout the years, and she's not sure what to expect from him. She's talking to him. She's not sitting very close to him. There's, like, a space in between them, which is, I mean, it's not the worst thing. But she's also talking to him like he's a lion at the zoo and someone left the door open and you don't know if he's about to maul you or if you're just going to go back in the back and lay down. And that's, that's the way she's very wary of him. And that could be because she's on TV. Keep in mind, I mean, she's not a TV star. She's like, are they filming? Like, I'm sure it took a lot to get her to get on there. She doesn't seem like she likes that type of shit. I wonder what their relationship is like. And which makes me think, does Danny Bonducci have a book? Like, I bet it has some good stories in it. I should see if I can read his book. Um, he's telling her that he doesn't like the New Age shit and that they don't do a lot of AA. He prefers straight AA. Um, which, again, Danny, why didn't you go to a place that does straight AA? Um, Gretchen shows up for visit and Danny is so happy. They're doing a lot of kissing. I bet Danny misses these physical, like this physical affection I was noticing in other episodes that like when they go out to eat with the kids they're holding hands and kissing each other's hands and they're touching each other a lot and I bet this is the hardest part about being away from Gretchen I mean, he wants that physical affection I bet you that's his love language so they're gonna do an exercise together where each of them needs to climb to a very tall pole slash tree okay um and you're like in a harness the whole time but you need to climb it's very tall you need to climb it's probably like two or three stories maybe two stories not three and so you climb to the very top and then you need to balance on the little surface at the top of the pole like the, the top of it and the other person along with some other people from rehab obviously is holding the rope that's like you're spotting um it's how can I describe it I guess it's like rock climbing in a way where there's somebody that's holding that that um that rope to like so if you have to fall they can counterbalance your weight and like let you down gently I mean honestly it looked like they were on the challenge that's it looked like one of the the challenges on the challenge and it's like a metaphor of something like you know, trust. It's like a trust exercise. Um, and Gretchen says, because the counselor asks her, like, what do you, like, what do you want? And she says, I would like to count on Danny always. I'd like to be able to always count on him, which is a reasonable thing to want from your partner. Maybe not the always part, but like to, to have a reasonable, reasonable expectation of being able to count on you. Like kind of know that you'll be around and, you know, so she's stumped, the, the stump's a little wiggly and, um, the counselor's like instructing her to like talk out like her feelings. And she's basically saying it's hard to count on. It's hard when it's not stable because the, the stump is wiggly or the, the pole is wiggly and cause stump implies it's like short, but it's not, it's very tall. And she says that, you know, it's hard to count on Danny when he's not stable and, Danny's like, well, then get the fuck off of me. You live in a mansion with no job. I'm here against my will. What more do you want? I mean, he basically says that she can be mad at him at home and, and not trust him at home. So why is he there if she's not going to be happy with him and trust him? And like, there it is right there. Because 
whenever Gretchen says anything to Danny about like what he's doing, like whether he's supposed to be home, like he's making bad choices, he's he's alienating her friends and and her bandmates and things like that, his response is always, you live in a mansion. You don't have a job. What do you do all day? You know? And she says something about like not trusting him yet or like it's not enough yet. And he says, fine, how about now? And stops holding on to the ropes that like, or he holds on with like one hand loosely onto the ropes that are like supposed to support her if she falls. And like, okay, behind him are two or three other people or maybe two people that are holding the ropes as well. So it's not like Danny not holding it means she's going to plummet to the ground. But it's threatening because she's afraid of heights. He was just talking about earlier how he'd be disappointed if she didn't want to participate because she's afraid of heights. And like, she's up really high. Like, if you're afraid of, like, even if you're not afraid of heights, that's, that's high. And it's a good possibility that you can fall and break your fucking neck. And then so you guys are doing what the counselor wants you to do, which is talk about how this feeling of instability, how this trust exercise, how you need people to, to help you, like how this relationship, your relationship. And he gets mad and is like, well then fuck it. Fall bitch, fall. Like that's basically what he did. Um, I hate everything about this. It, but it is absolutely a metaphor for the relationship. He does not, when he feels like he's not getting what he wants, he's like, fuck it. Then I don't give a fuck if you die. And I guess probably the thing that I hate the most about it is that she doesn't have to be there. Like she could have left him two years earlier. She could have just left him then. She doesn't have to try anything. She could just be like, you're a drug addict and an alcoholic and you cheated on me. And I don't feel safe in our home sometimes when you're angry. And so no, I don't want to try anything. No, don't go to rehab. No, we don't need to go to couples counseling. I'm just done. She could have done that. But here she is like fucking trying. And you're mad at her and you're basically threatening her with falling from this fucking pole. So he yells and he says that with all these people, they're they're very happy. And with them, they are not. And I'm assuming he's talking about production. Um, But also I wonder why he doesn't understand that like Gretchen... The reason Gretchen's not saying these things when you're alone is because you're a scary person. Like she means it now. It's not them. They're not making her do anything. She just, she wants them in here so she can say the thing that she needs to say. And Gretchen is like, no, I'm not unhappy. You can be unhappy, but I'm not unhappy right now. I'm pretty happy. And the counselor tells Danny to say what he wants. He yells, like, what does she want? And she says... All she wants is for him to be healthy. And that makes him even more mad. He says she's been dragging him along and and he wants her to say what it is that she really wants. And there better be a payoff. And he's doing this for a payoff. And if there isn't one, he's out of there. What he actually says is, what he actually says is, what weird ass place am I going to be next week with some circus clown? He points to the counselor, making me do wubba, wubba, wubba. And he shakes his pelvis because I'm done. Unless there's a payoff, I'm done. Are we clear? And Gretchen, to all that, just goes, "Uh uh-huh, and (laughs) clings to the pole. And that's what I'm talking about. She's so passive-aggressive about everything. I'm not blaming her. Like, when somebody is that angry, like, yelling back at them isn't, like, the answer. A lot of times you have to, like, kind of play dead on the floor so they'll sniff you and walk away. And 
but I bet she does it all the time. I bet he goes off at home and she's like, uh-huh, yep. And he's like, listen, I love you and we're going to stay together. And then meanwhile, she's like packing a go bag in a corner like, uh-huh, yeah. And he's like, see, she's in love with me. She's never going to leave me. And I'm like, no, bitch, she is literally scared to say anything to you. And what she really means is like, I don't think I love you anymore. I'm scared of you. I don't fuck you because you don't interest me because you're disgusting to me right now. Because I think about how you used to fuck all those other girls. And also I think about you pissing on yourself when you're drunk and trying to kill yourself to keep, to control me. And I think about all those things and no, I'm uninterested in fucking you. And I, I want to leave, but I'm worried about where I live and breaking my kid's heart. So I'm just biding my time. Hopefully you'll kill yourself and I can just get the life insurance and then I don't have to make a decision. That's what she's really thinking. And the counselor is like, you know, what do you want from him, Gretchen? And she says, I just want him to stop. And he, and he's like, listen to me. He's only here because you're, he doesn't want to stop. He's only here because you're making him. And this isn't going to work because you can't go to rehab for somebody else. You have to go to rehab for yourself. And like Liz talks about this all the time that lots of people go to rehab because they have to because of jail, because of relatives, because like their wife's going to leave them. Many reasons, but you have to stay for yourself. You can't stay because if you leave, your parents are going to cut you off because that's not... It's not like conducive to like long-term sobriety. That's conducive to 30 days of sobriety, 90 days of sobriety. And then you immediately go home and fall back because like you don't want to be sober. So any little trigger, any little thing will get you back using even just like touching your plane, touching down back in your old city or like just the availability of it. Like you can get drugs everywhere, everywhere in rehab, in jail, like drugs are everywhere. And I was talking about this with my mom because I was telling her no one's ever offered me any drugs. Um, mostly probably because they know gravy is my drug of choice. So they're probably like, this bitch doesn't want any coke. And so, <laughs> so I was just thinking about that, how, how like, and I worked in restaurants for years and years and years and years. And I'm saying that because like, People who work in restaurants and service industries, like you work at odd hours, so you get off at odd hours. And you're like, sometimes you need things to keep you up. You party a lot. I mean, it was nothing to like close up the bar at like 2 a.m. and just be gone and, and like just be, keep going to like 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. It's one of the reasons I hate it during hospitality because I always felt like, I don't know, I always felt like. I was out of sync with everybody else in the world, but like stuff like it's nothing to be drinking. It's nothing. It's nothing to to get off of work and just be binge drinking and like lose your car and not make your shift the next morning. Like working in restaurants, there's tons of drug use. Um, there's tons of drinking. There's tons of like behavior like that. And like still, no one ever offered me any drugs because they were just like, Ugh, Princess doesn't want any heroin. She wants jalapeno poppers. And I did get offered a lot of jalapeno poppers, definitely. So. <laughs> Um, I guess like, so what I'm saying, like there's drugs everywhere. And so like, if you're not motivated to stay sober for yourself, then I mean, you're going to be, you're going to see them again. There's going to be people around you doing them. There's going to be availability. Like, I mean, yeah. Um, and the counselor's like, counselor's like, 
you have to let him go. You have to let him suffer and even let him die if he has to. He's a grown man. And that, that is the hardest part about like having a loved one with um, a drug addiction. Actually, I was talking to my mom today. And I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast. I talked about it. I think I talked about it on Feathers when I was on there. So my mom I had two sisters die within a month of each other. The same month. Or not the same month, but like within 30 days of each other. Um, one of them, both of them die um, diabetes, with diabetes-related um, illnesses. Um, they had strokes. Um, one of them had lost a leg due to diabetes. The other one was, um, she's been an addict for a long time. Uh, like, God, Jesus, maybe 30 years. She's been a practicing drug addict. Um, like, and she was like halfway homeless. Like she was, she would stay with her boyfriend's, um, mother half the time. And then they, half the time they would be homeless. Um, cause they'd be binging drugs and she ended up having a stroke. They removed her leg. Um, and this is right after the, her other sister, um, died who, who lost a leg, um, and my mom was like trying to take care of her and everything. And like my mom works with, um, she works for an insurance company that helps people when they get, not helps them. I mean, they're, they're insured, people who have this insurance. Um, when they get out of rehab, when they get out of jail, when they get out of mental health hospital, she helps them get their services started. She's like a case manager in that way. Like, okay, so you need to, um, you know, you're supposed to get food stamps and you're supposed to, you're, you're supposed to be going to this many meetings you're supposed to be doing. So it's like really helpful. Um, my mom has access, she knows how to do all these things because it's part of her job and she really loves her job. It's her best job she's ever had because she can be in recovery. Um, and she can go to meetings during the day. Like she's in meetings all the time. She doesn't have to pretend like she's not in recovery. It's a, it's, it was a requirement for the job. They wanted someone that was in recovery. And so, um, she's like very, um, she's plugged into all these things that she can get. So my mom was trying to help her sister, like get housing, like what to do about the fact that now that she's only has one leg, you know, all these things are happening. And her boyfriend was there. Her boyfriend's, um, her boyfriend is a, was a drug addict as well. And, um, I mean, he was the one she was like homeless with all the time and stuff like that. Like, I talked about, I might have talked about this on the other podcast, like this aunt, then in particular, this one we're talking about was like super important to me as a kid. And I didn't really grieve her death like that much because I'm not like, I haven't been close to her since she got like into drugs and stuff and she like abandoned her children and stuff. And, but I, when I was younger, she had like four sons and she would always be She'd always be like, that's too much fucking dick in one house. And she'd love to have me in summers and stuff. It was a big deal because I didn't like staying away from my mom. Like, like for me to stay three weeks with an aunt was like an incredible big, I just wanted to be where my mom was, even if I wasn't getting along with her. Like if my mom was leaving, I was going to, I, you could not leave me places. And so like, she just, I watched supermarket sweep with her and I'd watch shop tea drop. And like, it'd just be like this little third grader, like, trying to guess how much Tide costs and advising people to, to get the hams because that's where the big money is and things like that. And, like, I really felt bonded to her. 
And so when she started doing, when she started like going off the rails, it was really hard for me. And I just didn't see her anymore. And as an adult, I saw her on a bus. Like I was in college. So I was like technically adult, but not really. And I saw her on a bus and we like talked a couple of times. And like um, my college was like in the middle of this really bad area where she had abandoned her kids and her kids um, with a with a friend of a friend. And that person had taken them in and she had four boys. And um, like sometimes I'd see them out and about and like buy them food and stuff. It was like she's she was such a strange figure and so like at this time I wasn't really grieving when all this stuff was happening um I was really just worried about my mom because two sisters who she was helping financially and um dying because she ended up dying she had a stroke after all that and she ended up dying um I was just like worried I was just like worried I was gonna throw my mom off track I I was worried and they were and both of them had drug histories and like I was just like like I didn't have room for grief because I was um I was like worried about what was gonna happen with my mom and like if something happened with my mom then I wasn't gonna be like like I I always stick to my bottom line or mostly I do and if my mom like fell off the wagon and like started using or started living a different lifestyle then I I'm done with that and that means that I don't have a mom anymore I'm really close to now my kids don't have a grandmother like all that goes away and so like I was like kind of on pins and needles during that time I was really worried about her I was calling her all the time she was in a lot of meetings I was really grateful for her support system but um and I didn't grieve for that aunt until much later because I was so worried about my own mom and I was sitting on the couch and somebody on tv was was eating beanie weenies you guys know what beanie weenies are um it's a brand name of hot dogs and weenies but um we we called what my aunt made beanie weenies, but like, if she wasn't, she didn't have the can of it. What she would do, she would get baked beans and she would like fry hot dogs. She put a little onion in there, a little pepper. She'd season it. Oh my god! And like she and she get you and like it would be the best fucking dinner, fucking hot dogs and beans. And it's so simple. It's poor people food, but she would make it all the fucking time. And I saw someone on TV eating it, and then I was just like bawling like bawling on the couch late at night over some fucking beanie weeds because I started thinking like just all this stuff came back to me about spending all this time with my aunt and reading to her and like just all this stuff that would happen when I was younger and how that I immediately got cut off because she started doing really badly and just like over the years seeing her like family functions and stuff and I'd been so so close to her and then nothing because like she's going down a different path and so the whole reason I'm even fucking talking about this god princess this is depressing the whole reason I'm talking about this is my mom during all that funeral stuff was really annoyed with that guy that she was like hanging out with that she was like engaged there my mom like says it with bunny ears quotes her fiance and she's like she doesn't have a ring and they're homeless and What's the point of being somebody's fiance when you guys live on the fucking streets? My mom was like really mad. And then she was really mad because he would be like insistent about things. And as, as far as my mom was concerned, he was like a non-motherfucker factor because <laughs> he wasn't paying for anything. And then one day she calls me and she's like, oh, just finished talking to him. 
and he wants to do this and he wants to do that. And guess what? He's illiterate. And I was like, okay, Ma, lots of people can't read. She's like, I'm just, I'm just like, this 40 or something man can't read and he's trying to tell me what to do. And he keeps going, that was my fiance, my fiance, my fiance. And like, I'm like, oh, and you know, much like me, my mom like goes off on these tangents and like focuses on one little thing and like gets mad about it. So she had decided, again, she's grieving. All She's she's financially footing like a lot of things that are happening now and she's trying to take care of everything and lots of people are not in a position to help and she's just like having to do everything. So, and she's upset. So right now what she's going to do, she's going to be upset because this man who she doesn't even like being around can't read and the where's and what fours and the whys and all that of why of him not being able to read annoy her so she's like really upset about it so anyway all this I can't believe I'm this like guys this is the problem this is the problem this is the problem with like me having a podcast I just ramble on and on and on all that to fucking say that he died today um she died about a year ago and he died today and he had stage four cancer he didn't know about it or he or he found out last week and died today and my mom calls me to tell me that she's like oh may god rest his soul and I was like even though he can't read and she's like why are you talking about that and I was like that's all you were talking about she's like well just because you can't read doesn't mean you can't go to heaven I don't know why you'd say that and I said okay 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 mom okay okay and she goes You think your Aunt June came back and got him? <laughs> and I was like, no. She's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't really believe in stuff like that, but I do believe in stuff like that. I was that. And I knew exactly what she fucking means. It was like a year later, she's late. So, so I'm off track, okay? <laughs> Way fucking off track. Ugh. Uh, sometimes I hate myself. Ugh. Anyway. What am I fucking saying? Oh, the reason I was thinking all about that is that it's the hardest part about like loving someone who has like a mental illness or um, a drug addiction or any kind of all kinds of things is that you have to let them handle those things. Um, You have to be willing to let them go if they can't be within certain boundaries. And that's the thing that Gretchen has to learn. I feel like she could tell you that, but she couldn't live that. And again, I don't blame her. It's really hard to get out of these types of relationships. It's really hard. But the counselor is right. If she has to be willing to let him have natural consequences to his actions, she has to hold tight to her boundaries and her bottom lines and things like that. And she, and if it means that he dies, then that's what it means. And it's really... Sticking to a bottom line like that, sticking to something like that is really, really hard, especially when you love that person. Just be like, oh, I think Liz talked about this. She had a friend who died um, and her mom was like not being like very bottom line with her. And her mom was just like, you know, if she dies tomorrow, at least I know I did everything I could. And it's really hard to let go of someone and just be like, well... See you at your funeral. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of what Gretchen has to do. He's grown. He's a grown man. 
the counselor's talking to Danny and Danny is like, I'm not married to you. And she doesn't tell me to fuck off. Shut up with your trite bullshit. I mean, he's <laughs> again, I'm so happy. I don't work here. <laughs> so happy I don't work there. So Gretchen and Danny talk and Danny wants to know how to make things good. How do I make things good with you? How do I get you to a place where you can let this go? Like, that's what he's really asking. He's asking her, how do we get to a place where you're not mad at me anymore? How you can let all this stuff go that I've done and we're good. And you kiss me and you hold my hand and we're in love. And Gretchen says that he's great at doing grand gestures, but she wants a track record. She wants to be shown a track record. So all you can do is show up and put in the work. And Danny is like, I'm in rehab. How much showing do you want? And this is funny to me because I think he's been there like a week. <laughs> and But to him, leaving to go to rehab is the big deal. Like I packed all my stuff. I checked in. I'm sober right now. And maybe he is. I mean, he could also absolutely not be sober. He couldn't. He could not be sober. But he's like, I'm literally sober right now. And you are not. And he might even be sober for the first time in like a decade. Because you remember, he, he talks about not drinking. And he wasn't drinking for a while. But he never like stopped taking, you know, prescription pills. I mean, he might still be on them, to be honest. Like, I feel like a good rehab would like, if you came in like taking um, uh, Xanax and Vicodin and stuff would like, I mean, I don't think you can like take a bunch of Vicodin every day for years and then suddenly just not take it. But they would be like, okay, well, we're, well we need to get you off of this. I think a good rehab would do that. But also keep in mind, Danny's a quote unquote celebrity patient um he's they're letting him film there so like my I can't, I'm sorry I keep yawning it is so late <laughs> um and I'm actually exhausted but like so he's like a He's like a celebrity um, patient and they're letting them film there. So I don't know if they're like, oh, you're on Vicodin. Let's see your your doctor's prescription. Oh, yep, that's fine. And they let him keep it. I don't know. Like, but let's say he is sober. To, what he's saying is like, I packed my bags. I came here. I spent the night. I spent the week or whatever, however long he's been there. And, you know, this is the big gesture. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I mean, that's just not enough for Gretchen. And rightfully so. It's not enough. He's been in rehab before. She's looking for like change. And so he gets mad. He storms off. And that's the end of the episode. And next week, um, Danny tries to leave Gretchen. <laughs> I... Which is so funny to me because he's been walking around like, she's a security blanket. She's everything. Um, you better let me see my wife or I'm going to get real wild up in his rehab. Like he's all that. And then the next week he's like, well, I think I'm done. <laughs> and I haven't seen it. Well, I saw it a long time ago, but I haven't seen it yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if the reason he's done is if it's become clear that he's not going to be able to control her. So then he's like, well, she's fucked up. I don't want her around. 
So we'll see. Guys, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for letting me yawn. Oh, it's so late. It's so late. I'm so tired. Thanks for letting me be morbid and talk about like my negative feelings and my aunt and my mom and stuff. And I promise to do some more bonus episodes where I talk, like tell some stories that I haven't told before. And um, look out for that Kel on Earth episode. It should be coming at you the next day or maybe the day after you, you're listening to this. Okay. All right.